sometimes they say attempting to build personas and develop deep acumen for your buyers internally, talking just to internal people, is a lot like asking a bunch of 20-something single men what women really want in a relationship. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. Buyer acumen. It's the stuff buyer-centric sales organizations run on. If you trust the research around the topic, unfortunately, most organizations still leave the development of buyer acumen up to chance. Our guest in this week's episode has spent over 30 years refining his buyer-centric sales enablement approach. In our conversation, he shares his advice on how to be intentional about capturing buyer acumen as a foundation for effective sales enablement. Please welcome Sparks IQ's Vice President of Sales Effectiveness Services and the author of The Building Blocks of Sales Enablement, Mike Kunkel. Mike, welcome to the State of Sales Enablement. Hey, Felix. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be back. I've been watching all of the great episodes that you've been putting out. Really glad to be here. Thank you so much. I know that you're limiting your uh, public appearances this year. I know you've got a full schedule. That's why I'm even more excited about getting some of your valuable time and talk to you about a very hot topic, which is buyer acumen. It's uh, not only hot right now, it's always been hot because from my point of view, it's pretty much the basis for any sort of sales success. So I want to really quiz you on that one and really dive deep into the topic. But before we get started, I want to ask you, last time we spoke, you had just launched your book, The Building Blocks of Sales Enablement. How did that go? Really well. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about it. I probably need to be better about asking people who say kind things about it to write reviews, but I've got a, I got a bunch of uh, good reviews up and uh, the book sales have been great. So it's probably the most rewarding thing is I get in mails on LinkedIn or people will reach out to me and say, hey, you read the book and XYZ, something in it, something about buyer acumen, something about that I wrote about was really helpful with something I'm going through right now. And the reason I actually wrote the book was to you know help people in the profession make a, a bigger impact or wrestle with the things that they wrestle with on a daily and weekly basis. So that's been very gratifying, honestly. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me because it's right in reach on my bookshelf always, and also spoke to lots of people in the industry that always reference it and found it very useful. So I can assure you, even though you might not capture that sort of feedback, I personally have heard lots of positive feedback. So thank you. I, I can tell that it's become a staple in the sales enablement industry. So congratulations on that one. Thank you very much, Felix. I appreciate you saying that. So buyer acumen, obviously one of the building blocks that you mentioned in the book. How do you define buyer acumen? I define it very simply at the high level, just a deep understanding of your buyers and your customers, right? Who were once buyers and still could be buying things from you. So there's a lot underneath that though, right? So if it's okay with you, I'm going to just spill some things out and we can sort through it as we go. Simply, it's their roles and their goals, right? But that's usually a little deeper than that. So it, certainly it includes buyer personas or buyer profiles. And I use a phrase in the book in Modern Sales Foundations, COINOP. And COINOP is an acronym that I think really pertains well to buyer acumen. Do you understand the challenges that they generally face? 
the opportunities that they have that they can act on or capitalize on, the impacts, either negative or positive, right? The possibly the negative impacts of not resolving that challenge or not capitalizing on the opportunity. And then what needs does that create for them as buyers, as business people? What are the outcomes that they're looking for in some desired future state? And then how would they prioritize those needs and outcomes? And I think that's a foundational piece of buyer acumen is really understanding that coin op or those perspectives for any given persona. And then you can start to dive into other things. So look at metrics, right? How are they measured inside their company? What are the metrics that matter most to them? And how do their bosses define success for them in their role? And then for buyers, it's what about their budgets? What are the typical budgets, their span of control, purchasing authority? When I worked at GE Capital, I was a buyer. I was working in commercial development, commercial excellence. And I had a $10,000 purchase authority where I didn't have to ask anybody. But over that, I at least had to get someone to sign off, right? And so what are their budgets and their funding authorities? How about buying process? What's their typical buyer's journey that they might go through? Who do they interact with internally when they're doing it? Who's part of their buying committee, if you will? How do they make the decisions? What, what are their buying process exit criteria per stage in their process? All of those things about the buying process can matter. And you can get that. I know persona people who do that work and help lay that out. This one doesn't always matter, but what about company size, right? If that applies, maybe the company size or what verticals do your customers typically work in? And that will help you further define your ICP or your ideal customer profile even. Then you can think even broader and say, okay, so what are the other risks or pressures political factors, you know, internal politics, what are the other things that are pressuring your buyer, creating the world that they live in? And then what are the, the emotional or personal factors or needs that they have that might be in play? Because everybody's got personal needs, right? And the last one for me is then how do they define value? Because we talk about value a lot in sales, but it only has context for what the person that you're talking to or selling to values. And so do they value business value or the moving the needle on financial and operational metrics? Is it aspirational value, maybe aligned with their mission, vision, values, or critical business initiatives like DEI or sustainability? It could be experiential value. Are they looking to improve a process or an experience, right? So I think a lot about what's the customer experience? What's the employee experience? If you're recruiting, what's the candidate experience? You know, is that something that's important to them? And then again, it comes back to personal value as well. Something that matters to them as individuals, such as reducing risk or looking good, increasing their political capital inside the organization, accomplishments, all those things. And usually it's a mix of those. Sometimes you could say, well, that CFO, she doesn't care anything about the financial metrics, but there's usually a personal element involved and they're not usually pigeonholed people are more complex than that. So if you can understand those things about your personas in general, then salespeople, when they're executing against this stuff and actually putting it into action, they have to go past the persona to the person and start to really understand those things for the person. So if you start by getting them right at the persona level, that gives your salespeople a framework to start to get more details about those 
people, the real people who were involved in the deal. So I know that's a mouthful. That's a lot, right? But to me, that's what buyer and customer acumen are really about. And to your point, right, when you have that as a foundation, it shapes almost everything else you do after that. Absolutely. And so, I mean, what you're describing here is a very holistic and in-depth picture of a buyer. Mm -hmm. Like in my day-to-day, -day, we interact with a lot of different salespeople. What is your impression out in market? How many organizations actually go through that exercise and have a picture of the buyer to that degree? Am I required to answer that? <laughs> You're under oath, aren't you? Under oath, yeah. So look, life is a bell curve, is what am I saying? So I'm going to speak in generalities, and our listeners should keep that in mind. I think generally buyer and customer acumen tend to be highest with the individual sales reps who manage key accounts and strategic accounts. They're really dedicated to a small number of accounts. And in those organizations where those salespeople work, there tend to be a lot of tribal knowledge in many of those cases. And unfortunately, it's not always very well documented, which creates risk, but that's a different discussion. Now, shifting to thinking about the companies, organizationally speaking, formal buyer and customer acumen tends to be rather low in my experience. People make a lot of anecdotal assumptions and very few were doing what I would think of, Felix, as good market-facing persona work and very little voice of the customer or win-loss analysis happening. And when I say market-facing persona work, what I mean is building personas and their buyer acumen based on researching conversations with, one, your real customers, and two, other buyers in the market like them. And that doesn't mean to say that, that I think that internal sales, marketing, or other executive perspectives should be excluded, but using them alone is not how you build real personas or foster deep buyer and customer acumen. Sometimes I say attempting to build personas and develop deep acumen for your buyers internally, talking just to internal people, is a lot like asking a bunch of 20-something single men what women really want in a relationship. <laughs> Good luck with that. And so we miss the point sometimes by, oh, let's get this, we'll download this template off of XYZ website. We'll fill it out with all the stuff we know. And that's not buyer acumen. That's just picking the stuff out of your brain that you think you know. If you understand the personas who are involved in a buying decision, their coin op, their buying process, exit criteria, all the things we talked about, there are all these sorts of domino effects that ripple out from that foundation that you can use to improve your sales effectiveness. You can start to create marketing content that will be a magnet for your personas and either generate enough interest to engage or help them decide to move forward during the sales process. And I'm working with a client right now who is concerned about that. They are trying to develop that kind of buyer acumen. You can inform your outbound prospecting efforts for SDRs or AE hunters to improve their lead gen. You can produce the right collateral. I think we talked about this last time, right? You can use what you learned to build collateral that will help in both prospecting and the buying process because it will satisfy your buyer's exit criteria or decision criteria at every stage. And then it gives them the info and insight they need to decide to continue the journey with you and hopefully make an informed purchase decision because of the things that you've shared. Obviously, you can support your seller's sales methodology with buyer acumen. And it really is helpful in early stage, like prospecting and 
the beginning stages of opportunity management because you're giving them insights into, again, those sort of generic roles so they know how to start, but you're giving them a framework of how do I dig in deeper and learn about that person. Enablers could use this to upgrade their sales onboarding and ongoing training to make sure their sellers are really well-informed. I've seen some companies use this to anticipate common concerns and then prepare materials and train their salespeople how to address and resolve those concerns. And I'm working with another client right now who's interested in learning how do we personalize both our marketing and our sales messaging based on these personas, and then one step further, giving the salespeople the ability to further personalize the collateral based on the people and what they value the most. And so I've seen each of those things be a real thing in some organizations. What I don't see is all of that stuff being done everywhere. In fact, I rarely see all of that stuff being done anywhere. But I do see a lot of organizations who, yeah, I guess it's like we go through these cycles in sales like we do everything else. In the 80s, there was a ton of great stuff being published about buyer-centric and customer, and there were case studies. And, and then there was a period of time where we just didn't seem to talk as much about this buyer and customer acumen and customer-centric or buyer-centric. And now we're seeing a resurgence I think probably driven by the fact that buyers are speaking very loudly about how tired they are of the way sellers sell to them. And now with more and more digital stuff happening, some of them are saying, hey, we'd rather actually avoid the sellers. And so the organizations who aren't doing this and moving in this direction, I think are putting themselves at a pretty big risk. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's such a domino effect if you don't get the buyer acumen part right, because the body of knowledge that's being formed within an organization has such a knock-on effect on so many different areas. And especially any organization that considers themselves and even publicly announces that they're very buyer-centric, that doesn't get that right, they will be all over the place and they will get the wrong messages out, get the wrong collateral out, will work with stereotypes and so on. What I personally see in terms of buyer acumen, the malpractice that I see is essentially marketing being responsible for it and the marketers that are developing those buyer personas and that information about the buyers have never even spoken to the buyers mm -hmm. and then attempt to socialize that information across the organization. I think that's the worst case scenario that I've come across. Tribal knowledge being formed mm -hmm. is, I guess, better than that still. At least the knowledge is somehow contained within the organization, but at least they're not misinformed. And then the best case scenario I see which is literally the top 1%, which I guess feeds into the notion of sales attempting to reach as senior of a buyer as they can get their hands on, is the knowledge around industry trends and macroeconomic forces that really inform strategy and being able to talk to that. But I think that is very rare. Yeah. I think the foundation, a lot of people get wrong still. So they should not be reaching for the stars in that regard. But I see a very small pocket of organizations that have become really good in talking to senior buyers on that level. And they're actually informing them what should keep them up at night rather than asking them what keeps them up at night. Yeah. So they're actually following a proactive approach. But I think that's still the minority out there. I agree with you, Felix. I love that you brought that up. I worked for GE Capital for a few years before they decided to divest all of the business units I was supporting. But while I was there, I worked with healthcare financial services. And the top sales reps in that business, working with 
the CEOs and CFOs of healthcare systems and helping finance all of the equipment that they needed to use or finance or purchase it. They would go into these meetings and they were having business discussions about the pressures and, like, as you mentioned, macroeconomic forces and how that was impacting healthcare and healthcare systems and what were their strategies around that this year and how did the equipment purchases or leases fit into that. And then all of that would lead to a conversation about ways to structure the leasing or financing that would make sense and help them achieve their goals. But they were going in as really well-informed business people with a point of view, with insights, with data, being able to talk to them about those things. And man, the ones that did that, we were trying to learn their approach and how they were doing it and then help to clone that into other areas of the organization because it was a brilliant thing to watch. So I think you're spot on with that. And how did that go, the attempt to clone that sort of approach? It was going very well, and I wish there were a story there I could tell about the ROI on the, on the end, but Jeff Immelt, the CEO at the time, decided to divest a series of the business units, and I wound up leaving the organization before I was farmed out to work for another company. But the progress that we were making on that, it was going really well. We were starting to build systems and we were rolling out some training to help sort of level the playing field and give people the opportunity to learn the things that they need to learn to have those kind of conversations and prepare to have them. So it was going well. I just, that's one that, you know, like the fish that got away, right? I wish that I had been able to stay there long enough to see that through. But sometimes fate deals you a different hand. So what, what does best practice from your point of view look like in sourcing buyer acumen and really capturing that within an organization. So you mentioned customer interviews and you mentioned sales reps that might already do that really well and have a really good understanding. Like what does the broad structure from your point of view look like in going about sourcing that sort of information? Yeah, this won't be a surprise for you, right? But you know, I'd actually recommend you start out with a plan for what you want to get out of this and learn and what your outcomes look like. And then you can say, okay, so what are the various things we're going to dig into and ask about? Maybe it's coin-op. Maybe it's the risks and the budgets and the pressures and the buying preferences, certainly who they work with, buying process, decision criteria, exit criteria, emotional factors, right? All those things I've talked about, you can create a template profile for that and then structure interviews and conversations to gather that information. And then when you talk with your real customers and others like them, you start to profile them to better understand them. And then you can look for patterns across these conversations. Now, if someone hasn't done this before, I'd actually strongly recommend outsourcing, right? Or getting certified by somebody like Tony Zambito. You know, in addition to doing the work for clients, he's been doing this stuff for like 35 years. I think he may have actually coined the term by her persona, but he's doing master classes too to help clients figure out how do you do that. And I know there are others out there that are doing that. So there's a real skill set to conducting these interviews and then adapting and evolving them based on what you're learning and the patterns of responses. So the experts at this don't even really do the same interview every single time. Based on what you're learning, that interview starts to evolve and change and it gets adaptive. So even taking a great masterclass is not going to help you develop those skills overnight. So I'd say the other aspect is there's this factor of talking to a company representative, if you're the buyer, 
as opposed to an independent third party. And many times I've seen buyers open up more with a neutral third party and some promise of anonymity. So my advice would be find an expert that you trust and work with them closely to get what you need and develop the acumen, but be part of that process. Be part of defining what does the end look like? What's the information you need to have? And think clearly through what are you going to do with it when you get it, right? Because I've seen some companies, they make the right move and they hire someone or they start to do the work. But once they've got the data, then it's like, well, uh, you know, I should have asked for something else here because now what do I do with this? So make sure you see the flow through about once you've get this, how is it going to be actionable? What can you actually do with it? How are you going to integrate it into the organization and all of those domino things that we talked about that branch out from the buyer acumen. So that would sort of be the starter kit, I think, for me, Felix. Got it. And once you've actually sourced information, is there a effective way you can recommend and socializing that information across the organization, a certain format? It's probably contextual to what works in the organization, but you know there are a ton of sales enablement apps out there that allow you to organize sales content. And that content can be organized to share with customers or it can be organized to share internally. It can be wrapped into training programs. You can create repository and documentation and, and really start to segment. If you work with a variety of buyers in different verticals, well, the buyer acumen might be different in vertical A versus vertical B. So, you know, you want to think through how do I want to organize this so that people can find what they need when we need it? And then how are our product marketing teams, our marketing teams, and our sales teams going to access it and use this stuff? And so I think that's at least some of how I would get started with that. In terms of the skills of the salespeople, I mean, a lot of organizations, you know, might not necessarily have that additional body of knowledge, and it might be a longer term project for them to actually acquire this body of knowledge. And the shortcut, as always, is to actually hire people with that knowledge and contribute to that tribal knowledge within the sales team that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Which parts of buyer acumen would you say is something that can be more easily taught? And what are the things that salespeople really acquire over time uh, throughout their careers that are just part of their DNA and that you can't just teach in a two-week onboarding course? Yeah, so that is a really interesting question, right? Because Buyer acumen itself, what you learn about the market of your buyers is completely learnable, right? So if a candidate is coming from a company where they sold to the same market and the same personas with a similar solution, and they've either been taught or developed deep buyer acumen through that experience, that candidate might have an edge over others with everything else being equal, right? But the knowledge itself is all learnable. And I like the fact that you said about DNA, right? So I think the related things to look for, in my opinion, would be empathy, curiosity, and people who naturally have or they've developed this other-centric or buyer-centric mindset. It's not impossible to learn those things, but man, it's definitely more of a difficult journey. It takes time, desire, effort, plenty of coaching and feedback. I used this the other day, I think, in a LinkedIn post. It reminds me of that old joke. How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? The answer is just one, but the light bulb has to want to change, right? So if, if you're going to try to get people to be more empathetic, to be more curious, and to really flip to a buyer-centric perspective, it's possible, 
but they're going to want to have to take that journey with you. You're going to have to help motivate them, or they may have to have their own motivation to do that. And then, sure, you can help them change those things. You know, you start with beliefs, and it starts to change the way they behave. But, well, that's a lot different than putting people through a course and teaching them some stuff and giving them some reference materials so they can look back and say, oh, yes, yeah, this is my buyer acumen that I need to have for this CFO that I'm about to work with. So, you know, I would look for that empathy, curiosity, and that other-centric or buyer-centric perspective. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think there's a trend emerging in the conversation around sales and sales enablement that I've come across as well, which is the discussion around to which degree AI will replace any sort of sales activity. And the bottom line always tends to be that empathy, those sort of soft skills, emotional soft skills that you mentioned, those are the things that will never be replaced by AI. And I think longer term, those will be the most successful salespeople out there. Also for the reasons that you mentioned, because yeah, it's just too hard to be taught in a two-week onboarding program. That's exactly right. We call those Sparks IQ, we call those the human differentiators. There you go. Kindness, compassion, empathy, being able to see something from someone else's perspective, even to a degree, depending upon how complex the AI is, right? Eventually we'll probably get there, but kind of working through a problem with somebody and helping them figure out the best solution, making choices between complex solutions, helping with emotional buying decisions, right? Because it's interesting that we like to think of ourselves in the business world as being so logical, but we're all making these emotional buying decisions and then justifying it with logic. And the machines aren't going to catch up to us for that for quite a long time. That's right. Well, Mike, on that note, on that positive note, I should say, machines won't take over for now. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining today. I could go on for hours as always. Always learn new things when I talk to you. So thank you so much. Appreciate your time. And if people want to connect with you and learn more about your body of work, where can they do that? Well, probably the easiest thing, if you even just Google Mike Kunkel, K-U-N-K-L-E, maybe add the word sales. I think I've been around long enough that I think I own the first three or four pages. So it's easy to find my work out there. On LinkedIn, I'm in slash Mike Kunkel, M-I-K-E-K-U-N-K-L-E. Um, I work at Sparks IQ, which is a tough spelling. It's S-P-A-R-X-I-Q.com. And so you can visit the website and I've got blog posts and articles out there. And, and of course, my book, thank you for mentioning the building blocks of sales enablement, sits right out there on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and other booksellers and is available in paperback and Kindle. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you, Felix. Always great to talk to you. next time on the state of sales enablement. So if you've got 30 SDRs in your team, sack 10 of them. Get the money that you spend on that 10 and redistribute it to the 20, okay? And redistribute it in the way of increased wages, increased tools, not just mass tools, but you know, the tools to help them do the job and training. So that there's a high level of prestige and less of a rush to get out of an SDR role. 